is Matt Crump. I've been known as a lot of things over my life. The class clown, the army guy, the rocker guy, the car guy, and the guitar guy. I've also made a lot of mistakes in my life, but the best thing I ever did, that's give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. He led me down a lifelong path and introduced me to my awesome bride, Rockin' Robin, blessed us with two incredible kids, and has given me a hope through some of the absolute toughest times of my life. See, I'm battling stage four cancer, and although that sucks, <laughs> it's opened my eyes and heart to a hope I never knew this way before and moments I never noticed. I call those God's Got This Moments, and they reveal hope like never before. Today, I'd like to welcome you to Hope Revealed. Hey, everybody, and welcome back, or welcome to those of you tuning in for the first time to Hope Revealed. I'm your host, Matt Crump, and I come to you every Tuesday with episodes of Hope, Help, and Health. Sometimes we'll have guests that give us great information and help in the world of health and health care, as well as ways to find hope through that information. So as a person myself with stage four cancer, I wanted to bring platform to you that would specifically bring hope as well as help. That can be done through special guests, information I've been able to locate, and information from emails and messages I receive from you, our listeners. You can always email us here at community at godsgotthis.love for questions, comments, or content. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about opportunity and the ways to look at opportunities in your own life and how going after the right ones will not only bless you, but others as well. So I hope you'll stick around for the next few minutes, and I look forward to hearing back from you after to the show today and uh, the comments section of the podcast. We really value your input. All right, opportunity. It's one of those things we have every moment, and the choice to say yes or no can make all the difference in the world. We're told in the New Testament in Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In a tough and fast-paced world, many times weakness is a major talking point. It's either mocked or it's examined. I believe that weakness should be one of the first places you look for in your life because according to the scripture we just read, that's where the power of God works the best. <laughs> Our weakest moments are nothing more than opportunities that reveal defining moments. Those moments, those revealed opportunities, they can be what it takes to launch us beyond probability into the land of our dreams, our destiny. It always seems impossible until it is done. That was originally accredited to Nelson Mandela. I found out today that it possibly never was him that said it. Either way, it's an incredible statement. Let's reflect a moment on verse 9 where it says, My grace is all you need. I realize that we all have different definitions for certain words, and grace is no doubt one of those words. One main definition for grace is unmerited favor. Another definition is simple elegance or refinement of movement. 
Those are nouns. There's a verb definition as well, which is due honor or credit to someone or something by one's presence. So the last one is like saying, hey, thanks for having me and letting me grace you with my presence, right? Yeah. The other two are more what I want to reflect on. The unmerited favor and refinement of movement. The refinement of movement definition is one that means the way she swam with such great thought and elegant grace. So to understand that the undeserved and unmerited favor from God is a beautiful and graceful movement designed just for us to appreciate and enjoy. That's an awesome picture, right? That place of grace reflected in our own lives is the place that makes the power of those moments work the best in our weakness. It can be a great place of freedom and the experience, uh, to experience the love of the Father, to give you strength through the moment. The last part of today's main verse in verse 10 is a confession that when I am weak, then I'm strong. Developing the discipline to live through identified weak moments in our lives through the lens and practice of grace, it's a place that opens up opportunity in our lives to see a much clearer picture of the landscape in front of us, which provides a confidence as the direction that the opportunity is going to lead us in. <laughs> There's another scripture I'd like to add to this moment when that uh, one that you may have heard and maybe you haven't heard, but it's a great scripture that I've heard spoken of usually in only one way. However, I found that it comes with the grammar in which is used that opens up another avenue. That's in Nehemiah 8.10. It says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine. Eat the fat? <laughs> they must have been southern. They call comfort food. All right, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I think it's fair to say that most people have many moments that they feel God is not happy or even more so not happy with them. So, if we have a thought process and understanding that God isn't happy, well, how's it going to be possible for us to be happy? Another point is happiness is just a changing emotion. It, it moves with our circumstances. You can have a situation where, let's say, your car is hit and totaled. You have a, you're perfectly fine, but the car is wrecked. Not just any car. This is your dream car. and You're not happy about that at all. However, you have joy due to the fact that you've survived without a scratch and you've got stellar insurance that will pay not only just to fix the car, but you've got enough left over to make a few tweaks that you always wanted to do. That's joy. <laughs> All right, so I'm a car guy. Maybe not the best example, but I'm sure you get it. So let's look at scripture now as, as it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength means, wow, number one, he's a God of joy. He's full of joy. Not only is he joy, you can give him joy through worship, praise, grace-filled moments, and loving attitudes, and all the circumstances and situations which makes him very happy and in turn changes the atmosphere in your life because of the choice and opportunity to choose praise 
over pessimism. You hear that? The choice and opportunity to choose praise over pessimism and joy over jealousy. That gives you strength and releases the joy that's in you, which can overcome the emotion of unhappiness with the promise of joy and the ability to proclaim, yeah, God does have this and he will see me through. Now that we've reflected a moment, let us look into how you receive that joy. As I mentioned, we, all, we already have it. It's a gift from God for those that call themselves followers of Christ. And there's no doubt that the joy inside of us can be, can be clouded up and clouded over by our emotions. It isn't always easy to def, uh, definitely and not always immediate, but it's possible. You have the opportunity to receive this unmerited favor and graceful gift from God. You just have to know how to get to it all the time you know, at times. That leads me back to the joy of the Lord gives us strength. It's a posture and a choice to accept that gift, not ignoring the things that make us unhappy. That's just lying, lying to ourselves and lying to God. Be real with it. You can, you can praise and be thankful while expressing the thing that leads to unhappiness by rejoicing over it, rejoicing to God because you know that He's your insurance policy. It won't just get fixed. It gets upgraded, man. That's good news. An opportunity that leads to a defining moment. All right, I want to talk to you about a guy from a while back. Uh, His name is Thomas Aquinas, since we're talking about happiness. Aquinas, Aquinas. Thomas was born in 1224. He died in 1274. And he's one of the most regarded figures in Western philosophy and theology. So great that he's even called the angelic doctor by the Roman Catholic Church. Within a 20-year span, he wrote over 40 books, including his masterpiece, the Summa Theologica, in which he constructs a vast system integrating Greek philosophy with Christian faith. Interestingly, in 1274, he had some kind of a vision that made him stop writing completely. And within six months of that, dead. Yeah, crazy, right? His last moment in words reportedly were pointed to all of his books. And then he said, after what I have experienced, all that, that's just straw. Phew. That in itself is really crazy when considering Aquinas' views on happiness, since in the Summa, one of his main conclusions is that true happiness consists in a mystical, uh, beatific, beatific, it's hard for me to say, vision of God that is only possible in the afterlife. Wow. Well, his writings are still pretty good, though, and they're good thoughts, and surely he knows the truth now. Hopefully... Some of the things I'm sharing will reveal that truth to you as well. All right, so here's three quotes that I wanted to share with you from some of his writings. All right, first one. They're a little long, lengthy reading, but that's cool. You'll dig it. All right, number one. Man's ultimate happiness consists in the contemplation of truth. For this operation is specific to man and is shared with no other animals. Also, it is not directed to any other end since the contemplation of truth is sought for its own sake. In addition, in this operation, man is united to higher beings, substances, since this is the only human operation that is carried out both by God 
and by the separate substances, angels. Summa contra Gentiles, book 3, chapter 37. All right, number two, second one. God is happiness by his essence, for he is happy not by acquisition or participation of something else, but by his essence. On the other hand, men are happy by participation. And number three, it is impossible for any created good to constitute man's happiness. Happiness is that perfect good which entirely satisfies one's desire. Otherwise, it would have been the ultimate end if something yet remained to be desired. Now, the object of the will, for example, man's desires, is what is universally good, just as the object of the intellect is what is universally true. Hence, it is evident that nothing can satisfy man's will except what is universally good. This is to be found not in any creature, but in God alone, because every creature has only participated goodness. Therefore, God alone can satisfy the will of man. According to the words of Psalm 102.5, who alone satisfies your desire with good things. Therefore, God alone constitutes man's happiness. Well, I wanted to share some of those things with you to kind of help paint a picture of, of happiness and where it comes from and our choice to go after it. Understanding joy and happiness and understanding the power behind them are sure to free you in any choice or decision involved with opportunities in your life. I'm not saying it's possible to never be unhappy. Even Jesus wept. I'm saying there are ways to get there when you find that you're not. So back to that my power works best through your weaknesses part and opportunity. When we can understand the who and the what behind happiness, when we can understand the joy of the Lord, when we can understand happiness and joy in our own lives, they all point to a place of opportunity to hear from God and an opportunity to experience our defining moments. Opportunities are available to all of us every day in many ways. Maybe you're struggling with how to find new opportunities or wondering if the ones you have before you are even the right ones. Do you know that old saying that goes, you'll never find an atheist in a foxhole? Great. Now it's time for another metaphor clip. Metaphor moments with Matt. I'll have to agree with the walking thesaurus on that one. Do not ever call me a thesaurus. It's just a metaphor, dude. His people are completely literal. Metaphors are going to go over his head. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I will catch it. I'm going to die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. Metaphor moments with Matt. I've been in war, and I've been with people in war, and I've been in foxholes. Trust me, there are all kinds of people in a foxhole, and not always ones... They want to help you with your walk with Christ. And if you're already walking there, then you want somebody to help you. Basically, not everyone has your best interest at heart, and some will actually use you, figure that out, to get something for themselves. I know, you've never heard that before, right? In the war of life, we find ourselves in foxholes many times. It's important to know what you're listening to. I love metaphors if you didn't notice yet. So I'm talking about close relationships here. 
Understand this vital nugget of information. Your speech, attitude, and behavior are in part directly affected by your friends. Just watch others with their good friends. There are many times they'll say the same thing, sometimes even at the same time. Certain phrases or slang or pronunciation of words, and yeah, even decisions about life and opportunities. Another Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things. Forget bad company corrupts good character. Another word at the end would be habits. In football, there is a penalty for those players that grab another player when the ball is in motion, when they grab and don't let go. It's called holding. Here's the thing. God has such great plans for you and for your friends. However, if you have company corrupting good character, habits, behavior, and company is holding you back from where God wants you to be, eject them from the game. Get them out. Find a different foxhole. I'm not saying to never speak to someone again unless that's really necessary. I'm saying that you hold the, if they hold you back, Um, and will hold you back from an opportunity or opportunities that God set before you, let it go. It's not worth it. Be right back after this. Hope. Less. Doors. Closed. Lost. Souls. Now, this isn't the way we like to hear these words end, and for many people, that's all they ever hear. Macrant Ministries and Hashtag God's Got This is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry I started right after I started a battle with stage 4 cancer. I'm able to engage with people every day that are lost and in need of hope. I'll soon have a book released to share hope with the world in a unique way, and we could really use your support. We've recently started the 3.30, A Time for Hope campaign. That's $3 each day every month, and it can be a way for you to help someone see their hope revealed. Your monthly support in any dollar amount obviously is greatly appreciated. And for those that want to join the 3.30 Hope community on a monthly basis, you can be a part of something incredible in a new and exciting way. We now offer ministry at least five days a week with the Monday magazine called Hope Revealed. On Tuesday, Hope Revealed podcast, available now on iTunes as well as the Podbean site. On Wednesday, hashtag God's Got This Stories on our YouTube channel. On Thursday, the hashtag God's Got This blog. And on Friday, the hashtag God's Got This Meaningful Moments devotion. Not only are we offering ministry throughout the week, we have many resources also for free on our website as well as our new free app with many great tools available to you and it gets you plugged into the hashtag God's Got This community. Thank you so much for your generous donations. You can visit our site at godsgotthis.love backslash donations to get started today. Your support will help bring hope into the lives of people all across the globe, empowering them with a message to proclaim hashtag God's got this. If you're not maximizing your opportunities, there are a couple of chances it's because, one, you don't know something, or two, you're not willing to do something with what you do know. Romans 1.13 says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that many times I've planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I might have some fruit of my labors among you, even as I have amongst the rest of the Gentiles. comes from the Amplified Version. 
According to Strong's Concordance, the word agnaeo, and it's a Greek word for you, is used there, and that verse uh, for the word unaware or ignorance, and it means to be ignorant or not to know. So simply said, ignorance is not knowing the facts. Ignorance is not knowing the facts, but choosing not to do anything with or about the information and insight. That's just plain stupid. So Benjamin Franklin said, we are all born ignorant, but one must work real hard to remain stupid. (laughs) So if we're to agree that stupid choices are options, I keep thinking stupid is, stupid does, right? If their, if their options are off the table and we want to find a way to not be ignorant about a choice or opportunity, we must realize then that the way around ignorance is knowledge. If you lack knowledge, leave the lack and ignorance attack. Seek knowledge, which is a destroyer of ignorance. Psalm 119.66 in the New Living Translation says, I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. It's been said that if you don't like where you are in life, chances are there's something you don't know yet. The best way to find knowledge is to seek it and seek it in a place that is designed just for you in a way that makes you more like God and his plan for your life. It's a desire for understanding. It's a fire in your heart just to know. Desire is the starting point of all achievement. Not a hope, not a wish, but a keen, pulsating desire which transcends anything. That's a quote from Napoleon Hill. Here's another quote for you. A defining moment is a point in your life when you're urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. Not only do these moments define us, but they have a transformative effect on our perceptions and behaviors. Sidney Evans An opportunity that's truly from the Lord will always increase your faith, not weaken it. You'll also find that it'll stretch you spiritually. It'll tax you physically and emotionally. Even though you experience both levels, you'll find great joy in doing God's work. I know like if I'm preaching uh, at a church or somewhere, or I'm singing, leading worship, I mean, you give it your all and you go home wore out, tired from everything you've done, but it's a good wear out. You feel good about it, right? Doing God's work. So here's another way to test if the opportunity is from God. Does it violate the golden rule? If you follow after this particular opportunity, will you be doing to others as you would have them do to you? The answer is no. Then this is no opportunity from God. God won't send you on a mission that doesn't in some way bless, encourage, or uplift others. So about 14 years or so ago, I was at a crossroads in my life about some job choices. What was so hard was that I really had four incredible options available to me. Every one of them appeared they could be from God. It blew my mind. I did not know what to do. Talk about having a hard time. I mean, saying yes to any of them could seem like it was a huge blessing from God, right? I realized that I could not choose four options. I could only choose one. 
For me, the only thing I really did back then was I prayed about it, and I asked a few godly folks what they thought and asked their advice. Of course, Robin and I prayed about it. That was about it. I wish I could tell you that I made a great decision, and everything ended happily ever after. I did not, and it did not. As a matter of fact, it almost brought me to ruin. Stress in our home, the loss financially, it was awful. There eventually was good that came out of it. That Romans 8.28 moment, it did occur. It just took about another year. (laughs) The blessing of that time between the two opportunities for us was vital to our lives. There were moments that prepared us for the what's next in our lives. Could it have happened differently? Was there an alternate destiny? Maybe, perhaps, I don't know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, or just not good enough reasons to worry about it. Learn, move on. I probably, no, not probably, I know I would have benefited from some other tools in my life at the time and wish I had them when I was trying to identify those opportunities that are good. So I thought I'd share a few of those with you and hope they're helpful for you to identify some of those in your life as well. So here are some ways to identify what may be the possibility. Y'all want to get to the blog on Thursday. I got a lot of notes here today too. All right, number one, what are your desires? Make a list of them. It's okay to list all your desires, and then you have a chance to come behind them and make some cuts. You might say a desire to be a millionaire, so you can have the best shoe collection on the planet. Or you can say you want to be a millionaire so you could be debt-free to not only fund your work and life's dream, but to help others to reach their potential as well. So I'd say the shoe idea, that one gets cut from the list. It doesn't mean it's not a desire. It's just not that it's in the grand scheme of your life. It doesn't make the most logical sense, all right? All right, number two, here are some ways to process the desires to hear from God for an opportunity. I've got, uh, I'm doing my A's and B's in point number two now, all right? So here's the A. Access your life, all right? So where is your ability to reach that desire, right? You've written down the desires, So where's your ability to reach that desire? Go from A to B with it, not A to Z. Take your time in the process. You don't have to hurry through it. Take it one at a time. B, what is your time, talent, and treasure currently? And how does that fit or need to fit the opportunity? Do you have adequate time to invest in the opportunity? And will the time invested be a benefit or a distraction? Are you already gifted with the talent to knock it out of the park? Most of the times God equips us for the work at hand. Now, I'll say there are times that God can provide someone to come alongside and train you in a new opportunity for sure. However, the majority of the time, the Bible teaches that God equips us for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So it can happen through people. It can happen through organizations. It can be just you and God, all that kind of stuff. Lastly is treasure. The first thought process when we hear treasure is money. However, I say it's more than just money. Treasure means things of worth, right? So the things of worth in your life, like if you're married, top priority for your treasure is family. My wife and my kids, they're top priority in my life. Treasure also means collected value. So things like your home, for example, and then, yeah, of course, your wallet. 
does what you have fit or not fit with the opportunity? God will not call you to leave your wife and children to be a rock star. God will not call you to abandon your family to chase a dream. God will not call you to frivolously squander those things previously considered a blessing for a pipe dream. Can there be a place of agreement between you and your spouse about what to do with what you have and what sacrifices you're willing to make to pursue the dream? Yeah. Is it God to just abandon what he calls us to steward? Nope, sure not. So how does your time, talent, and treasure fit or need to fit the opportunity? A very important set of questions to consider to see if it's the right opportunity for you and your family. And if you're a married person, you, you get that. If you're single, well, the principles still apply from a stewardship perspective and a future perspective, as well as legacy, folks. Single folks, legacy is important. All right, C, what are you able to do to reach that desire? What else is left up for God? All right, we all have abilities to do something and something well. I can write fairly well, and I'm learning how to do a better job lately. I'd love to write a book and travel the world today. I can't do all that. I can keep being faithful to better myself, studying and writing, and through that I can just trust God for the other parts I can't do. I can't fund a trip to Africa right now. I've been invited already, but I don't have the money. I don't have the means. God does. So what are some of those things you're gifted to do already and then some of the big places that you just have to trust God with? All right, D, appreciate past failures. Failed attempts at an idea are better looked at as the value of the idea rather than a black eye. In fact, most great opportunities aren't realized on the first attempt of an idea's execution, but rather as the perfected evolution of previous failures. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> perfected evolution of previous failures. Like Thomas Edison, Benjamin Franklin, Michael Jordan. I don't know if the first two guys played basketball as well, but you get the idea. All right. E, great opportunities carry momentum. Great opportunities almost have a life of their own. When a serious opportunity comes along, test it by lightly engaging. If it requires more effort than you're willing to risk, then it might likely die out. In that case, it likely wasn't worth the energy in the first place. But if it seems to move forward with just little taps of effort, then it shows promise and it may be worth considering. This isn't necessarily the way all opportunities are. There's no doubt some great opportunities will require great work. However, some serious ones up for consideration in my lifetime experience just seem to flow and, and go without me beating my head against the wall. After all, wouldn't you consider a great opportunity one that just seems to work and is fun as easy and is a blessing? Yeah, man, why not? It doesn't all have to suck. That's why people look to leave what mess they're currently in. <laughs> so, all right, clarity moments. Here's a clarity moment. A few of them. When your excitement and hesitation are both equal and there's no way to do it on your own. That's a clarity moment. When there is nothing else that would make you happy but to really just dig in and do it. Another one. Is the opportunity bigger than you? And when you see and feel the energy of I can't but he can. I could, I will, and we can. Me and God. Does it just overwhelm you with excitement and passion to dig in? 
that you've found a way to identify a doorway to opportunity and a defining moment in your life. There's no doubt we all have opportunity. There's no doubt you have opportunity. What those defining moments really come to in our lives are, are we solid enough and disciplined enough to do what it takes to get there and follow through? As you may know, I've written a book, and it isn't out yet, but it is coming soon, and I'm excited to say we're closer than ever before. If writing the book was all it took to be a bestseller, I got it made. (laughs) The reality is there are thousands and thousands of authors and books out there all the time, many you've never and will never hear of. For me, I'm investing in myself with classes, seminars, webinars, meeting people, working on my platform, creating the movement that is to be as well as the one that we hope to be. It takes a lot of time and a lot of personal investment to learn to be productive. It rarely happens overnight. Heck, I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning doing this for you all tonight on this podcast. Help me, Lord. It's a long day at Duke today. It will only happen if I'm willing to take the time to do all the dirty work. All the long days and late nights that most of you have no idea. I just do, and I do what I want to do. If it's worth it, then it's worth it, right? I dig in. They say opportunity only knocks once. Whoever they are, I say opportunity is always knocking. And if once is good enough for you, you just don't have your height set high enough. You're valuable. You. God paid a high price for you. Yeah, that's you. (laughs) If it weren't worth it, he wasted his blood. He suffered incredible pain all on a wooden stick for nothing. No, no, you're, you're very valuable, and that being the case, it's worth the effort on your part to give God some happy days and see the joy of the Lord as your strength by surpassing the normal and living into the supernatural. You have an opportunity now to achieve defining moments in your life that will not only benefit you, but could very well benefit generations to come. Are you willing to pay the price? He did. (laughs) Thanks a lot, folks. Appreciate you being here today. If you're not already subscribed to our mailing list and receiving our Monday Magazine and other emails, would you please visit our site at godsgotthis.love and click subscribe when the little window pops up or look for the newsletter subscription button and it'll do the same thing. We're so thankful to be able to provide all that God has given us to do. And if there's any way you can be a part financially to help us with the costs, we'd be ever so grateful. When you go to the website, you click on the donations link and you'll be guided from there. Please consider joining our community by being a monthly supporter and helping us to reach the world with God's message of hope revealed and that God's got this. I can't tell you how exciting it is to reach people every day. Literally, folks, I'm telling you, it's every day. And I am incurring costs to do this whole work that um, I'm having a blast doing. But it costs a lot of money, and I just don't have it. And if you could be a part, man, it'd be fantastic. God's going to supply And he might use you to do it. So please pray about that, would you? Thanks. Dig in this week. Go after those values and virtues in your life, in your family's life. If you need a kickstart, ask God. Say, God, I'm I'm asking you to 
reveal some things to me, some defining moments. Reveal to me some, some opportunities in my life. And then go through some of the things we talked about today. He will. And you'll get through it. You'll, you'll hear from him. I want to uh, share with you a scripture I shared last week as we close out. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then, the God of peace will be with you. One more part of a scripture. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. That's good stuff today, right? Mm. Don't give in, guys. Don't give up. And never, ever forget, God's got this.